Good afternoon, uh, good morning, uh, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for joining the Sustainable Wine Roundtable Conference. Some of you may have attended previous conferences run by Sustainable Wine. And uh, in case you're not clear, what we've done is turn sustainablewine.co.uk and the events into the magazine of the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, which is a global non-profit, which is designed to foster and encourage and develop collaboration in the global wine sector, particularly with regard to a global reference standard on sustainability in wine, but also with the development of many other tools and collaborative initiatives. Uh, my name is Toby Webb, um, and I'm one of the co-founders of the Roundtable. And we're looking forward to a great conference here where we're going to discuss a variety of issues, some of which have been tackled um, by the Roundtable. Other issues will be on our agenda in the coming months, weeks, and years. I shall now hand over to Richard Banfield, MW, uh, to chair our first panel. Welcome, Richard. Thanks very much, Toby, and uh, welcome to the audience and to our panellists. Um, the, the theme of the, or the question of this first session is how will the Sustainable Wine Roundtable catalyse change in the global wine industry and why does it matter? Um, <laughs> at the risk of answering the second bit right at the start, I mean, I, I think you look at the context in which we're, we're holding uh, this conference, I saw in a, um, an article a couple of days ago saying that in France, they think that the price of lower to mid-priced wines is going to have to increase by 15 to 20% in order to cope with the increase in dry, dry goods costs and distribution costs that they're currently being faced with. Sorry, there's noise outside. I'd better close my door. Um, and then as we've also got a, a World Health Organization who is pretty anti-alcohol, frankly, at the moment, and we'd like to see more regulation. And then in the last couple of weeks, we just in Europe, we've seen um, we've seen hail, we've seen drought, we've seen high temperatures. I mean, this <laughs> why does it matter? I think the evidence is all around us. Um, but what I'd like to do first of all is just ask each of the panelists to introduce themselves. Um, Barbara. Would you like to introduce yourself first? Hello, good morning, good afternoon to everyone. My name is Barbara Wolf. I'm Director of Corporate Affairs, Sustainability and Innovation for VSPT Wine Group. We are one of the 20 largest wine producers globally. We have operations in both Chile and Argentina. Uh, you may have heard of Viña San Pedro, Tarapacá, Leida, Grafinha, among others. And well, to VSPT, and sustainability is today one of our five corporate values, as well as a strategic objective. But I would say that more than that, it is also a management tool uh, that enables us to take better decisions aligned to the challenges we are facing as a society today. Uh, we're working nine different agendas, including climate change, sustainable progress, and conscious consumption as one of the priorities in our um, daily work. Happy to be here. Welcome to everyone. I think you're muted, Richard. Sorry. You're right. Thanks, Barbara. Um, Valentina. There it is. Uh, good morning, everyone from Chile, because I know today is the afternoon by there in London. And uh, I am Valentina Lira. I am the Sustainability Director at Viña Concheitoro. 
Uh, we are one of the largest companies, largest wineries in, in the world. And we have operations uh, in Chile, Argentina, and the US. Um, some of the, uh, I think, well-known brands that we have is uh, Casillero del Diablo, also Fetzer Vineyards from the US. Um, and today uh, we are here because we want to talk about sustainability. It's one of the uh, main topics, one of the four main topics and uh, cross-cutting uh, aspects in the sustainability, in the, um, in the um, I said, the corporate business strategy. Uh, we have been working in that way. The sustainability for us is, uh, is a topic that we have been working with the strategic planning for 10 years. Uh, since last year, we are uh, a big corp, and it was a big achievement for us. We feel very happy for that. And uh, we hope to, you know, make a contribution to this, uh, to, the, to the topics that we're going to talk today. Excellent. Thank you, Valentina. Hubert. Um, yes. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon from, from France. Um, my name is Hubert, so I'm the managing director of Chateau Léoub. And Chateau Léoub, uh, at least I run the wine business part of uh, Chateau Léoub, uh, which is a wine producer, wine and olive oil producer located in Provence, uh, this beautiful area you can see uh, behind me, uh, Provence, south of France. Um, in in um, at Chateau Léoub, Chateau Léoub is a, a, a wine producer not as big as, as uh, the two uh, the two that were mentioned just before, uh, but we have a 560 hectare uh, estate, one piece estate, which is located in a parc national, a protected area uh, in France. Um, and we, our estate, uh, we are very lucky to have an estate that goes from the beach up to the hill in one part. So it's, it's really like in a shape of an, an arena, like a cirque, uh, like a cocoon. And most of this uh, area is left uncultivated. So this is where everything started uh, uh, for us. So we are very lucky to have this uh, haven of uh, biodiversity. And um, it was there way before us. So this is what, uh, at Leoub, this is our uh, mission. This is what we always, uh, what we've been doing since the very beginning, is just to, uh, to keep and to maintain this heaven of biodiversity and uh, to make the cultivated area and the uncultivated area live together and not to damage, uh, not to damage uh, any 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 of it. So first of all, as a local scale, because this is what matters uh, since the beginning. So we take care of the nature of the estate, and also now because it's part of our DNA on the more global uh, scale on everything what we do. So we try to, it starts with the production, but it also, we, we try to push these sustainability commitments to every, every topic we are uh, addressing now. Thanks very much, Hubert. I'm lucky enough to have visited Chateau-Léoub and uh, I can vouch for the fact that it is an excellent example of, uh, of polyculture. Um, Marcus, can you introduce yourself? Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, good morning and good afternoon to everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Marcus Ire. I work for Systembolaget, that is a monopoly retailer for alcoholic beverages in Sweden. Uh, we are 
very much uh, engaged in sustainability in different parts of, of uh, our processes and in our business. And uh, my focus is on the supply chain, quite complex supply chain, because we have around 2,800 unique products in our assortment. And we have done some, the, the last years, we have done some extensive and, and put a lot of eff efforts, extensive work on mapping our supply chains down to the pharma level. So, so that's a very extensive work, very important work. And it's very crucial for us to do that in order to have, uh, have connections to all the uh, entities in the, these uh, complex supply chains. And uh, that is very crucial because we are working in, the, you can describe it as three legs to, to, uh, to push sustainability in the business. It's about risk mapping of all our products in the assortment, uh, both environmental climate and, and social uh, issues like human rights and labor conditions. And as well as the tender process where we are, when we are introducing new products in the assortment, it's very important for us to have uh, requirements addressing sustainability in different ways. And the third leg is about customer guidance, where we have uh, quite recently launched a new model, a new design model for customer guidance, where we are integrating uh, human rights, labor conditions, environment and climate from the pharma level uh, through uh, production, of course, and also including packaging in that concept. So, uh, so this is uh, this con this concept of sustainable wine roundtable is very very important for us. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Marcus. And for anyone who hasn't seen the System Belaget responsibility uh, report, which I think is publicly available, isn't it, Marcus? Yes. Yes. It's a it's a remarkable document for anyone who's looking to uh, to understand which parts of their business they could be more sustainable in. It's an amazing document, very detailed, and it talks about the measures they they use to monitor their progress. It's a fantastic document. Um, Carlos, you're not used to, used to being last. I'm sorry. Please introduce yourself. That's okay. That's quite fine. Um, we are just one little uh, cog in this uh, in this very important uh, supply chain. But um, hello, everyone. Uh, good afternoon from Portugal, where the company is headquartered. Although uh, we have a fully owned subsidiary presence from um, Chile to South South Africa to Australia to California, you name it. So we have about uh, twenty thousand. Customers uh, that have uh, acquired last year 5.8 uh, billion stoppers, so quite uh, quite a, a large number, but still, when you put things in context, about 19 and a half billion bottles of wine and champagne are filled and stopped every year uh, around the world. So it's still a lot uh, a lot of uh, growth ahead, despite the fact that we have been in business for 152 years. We still believe that uh, not only growth is possible. Uh, it has to be growth within a sustainable framework. For us, sustainability is not something that we adopted a couple of years ago. Uh, without sustainability, um, there's no cork forest because they are a native species from the West Mediterranean basin. And uh, without cork forest, we don't have raw material, we don't have a business. So it was always a very straightforward line for us in terms of, um, of, of bark to bottle was always a very clear cut. Uh, aspect and and again looking forward to share good news for us the cork 
uh, leading core company in the world, but also with the clients that use those uh, billions and billions of cores. Okay, excellent. You are a very, or Amarim, are an extremely important link in the chain. Some of us, of course, are lucky enough to touch one of your products probably every day of our lives. Um, anyway, or adult lives at any rate. Uh, so what's going to happen now is I'm going to ask each of the speakers a, a question as we go through, but please, as Toby has said, uh, if you've got any comments or questions, please ask them as we, if, as we go through. The aim is very much that this should be interactive, and uh, it'll be even better if we're asking the audience's questions rather than mine. Um, but in the meantime, um, uh, Carlos, actually, I'd be really interested to know, for, for, at Amarim, you are a possibly the key supplier to the to the wine industry are your sustainability credentials being put under increasing pressure from retailers and um, uh, and producers fortunately yes and we couldn't be happier about that um, because we have we have probably the strongest sustainability credentials of uh, of many of the industries within the wine supply chain and outside the wine supply chain so we're very, very happy to, um, to welcome that, that scrutiny. The fact is um, we spent, and perhaps rightly so, uh, a long, long time discussing the negatives of cork. And, and again, perhaps that was uh, obvious necessity to do that. We needed to defeat TCA before we were able to start talking about the positives of cork. But now that we have finally reached that, that um, important landmark, um, I think we are ready to show everything that has been done and everything that we want to do in terms of, of sharing again that those sustainability credentials with the people that make it happen. And that's the wine industry. Uh, to give everybody an idea, 70%, 7-0 of the value added created for cork is created by the wine stockers. The remaining 30% could be anything from aerospace materials to Birkenstocks, you name it. But if you take away 70% of anyone's income, uh, that person is going to naturally find something else to do. Well, if you are a forest owner, one of the thousands and thousands of cork raw material suppliers that we deal with, if you are one of those uh, and you are about to lose 70% of your, of your income, you're going to find something else to do. Unfortunately, that's something else to do in this part of the world is not going to be a native species like cork oaks that not only give you uh, a very, very um, strong capacity to retain CO2, that's very important, but let's not forget that even if we could fix the CO2 problem today, tomorrow we'd still all wake up with a big sustainability issue. So we also have to look at how to create, as we do, well-paid jobs in the agricultural sector. How do you foster biodiversity? Uh, how do you protect soil erosion? How you regulate water cycles? How you protect against forest fires? So all of this is a package that comes together with a wine stopper that ends up in a bottle of wine that costs three euros, if you're not in the United States, that is possible. Uh, it happens, and in Europe, certainly it is the case, all the way to, you name it, 3,000 years. So the important, the important aspect here is the ability to, to have strong, solid data. And to go back to your, to your original question, are we being more scrutinized? Yes, fortunately so, because we, put, we published our first peer-reviewed comparative life cycle assessment back in 2008. And since then, we have published 16 more of those and we understand that sometimes it raises questions. It's difficult to imagine good news sometimes, and especially in this day and age. But when you look at either the endogenous 
CO2 retention capability of one single quark or the balance that represents that quark plus everything else that comes with it, um, you're looking at the ability to bring down substantially the footprint, the carbon footprint, certainly of the wine industry. And as I said, can't wait to share those news with all our clients. Okay. And at the moment, your cork production is, um, is, is centered, I understand, mainly on Portugal. But that means that in countries, wine producing countries and other parts of the world that want to use your product, you've got to ship it to them. Are you looking at or are you producing corks and growing cork oaks in other parts of the world as well? Is there potential for that? You do have cork plantations in other parts of the world. In fact, a major investor uh, not long ago just planted 400 hectares of cork oaks uh, in Chile. So that is certainly a possibility. If any of you has visited UC Davis or any of the California major areas in Northern California around Napa and Sonoma, you'll see a lot of cork oaks. Canberra, the region of Canberra in Australia has cork oaks, but it is, however, in the Western Mediterranean basin. Seven countries, Portugal is the largest producer, with second comes Spain, Italy, France, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco. All of these countries have native cork forests. And that's where the majority uh, of our cork uh, raw material comes from. The production is located in Portugal, certainly for the wine, champagne and spirits industry. There is one uh, exception to that, which is the aerospace and defense applications that for, I believe, obvious reasons have to be located stateside where, where they are. In, uh, in Wisconsin, um, but when we measure our, our footprint, we have to account for that. And obviously we cannot do a life cycle assessment for each one of the 20,000 customers almost that we have, but we do have what I believe are very strong methodologies in, in doing this with some of the strongest names in the industry in terms of auditing all that. And again, we want this to be peer reviewed. So we have chosen the UK, one of the largest um, import markets in the world for wine as that destination. Uh, when you do this according to ISO 4004 and 44, et cetera, you always have to choose the worst case scenario for the promoter of the study. So because we want to have that kind of credibility, we choose the worst case scenario for our, for our product. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks very much. I, I'm sure we will come back to you uh, later, but I'm going to move on for the time being, if I may. Barbara, I'm going to come to you if I can, because there's already been a question about uh, B Corp, which you mentioned in your introduction. And it is similar to a question that I was going to ask as well, which is, I guess, is it's why, as far as I'm aware, there are very few wine businesses that are B Corp certified. Uh, I can't think of any others, although I dare say they are. Why, was a matter of interest, why did you choose that particular certification? And is it as appropriate for smaller producers than VSPT, as well as for large producers? Hey, Richard, um, I'd be happy to answer this question, but I believe this question is, is addressed to Valentina. Um, we lost her, I believe. Um, we do not have that certification as VSPT, sorry. I'll happy to give you my opinion, but. <laughs> Richard, you're muted. Did it again. <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. Um, I will, uh, hopefully Valentina will rejoin us shortly, but we seem to have uh, lost her for the time being. Um, she's there. She's on the top I'm of here. the screen. I don't know why she's there. Oh, Valentina, you're there. <laughs> Hello. Yes, yes, I'm here with her. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Well, I don't know why I'm you've been. I'm gonna roll it. Oh, yes, no worry. Now I we have the her. <laughs> I heard the question, so you don't have to repeat that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So yes, yes, you're right. There, there are just a few, just a few wineries around the world uh, that today are B Corp certified, and um. It, around the world, there are a little more than 5,000 companies, okay? So it's not a huge number of companies today that are certified. And this is because the process, I think, is, is, very, is a very hard process to get the certification. And it's a very hard, not because of the, um, I would say, not because of the, uh, of the requirements, but for the, for the process that you have to live. And the process that uh, that is behind the certification, because you have many sometimes as a company we all have many you know um, key performance indicators or we have goals and we have you know targets and everything, but this thing that you learn behind this certification is to look at the impact that you are doing, that you are creating around the group of your stakeholders and also the impact, the positive impact that you're leaving behind uh, in, in the planet, for instance. <clears throat> so, so for us, it was a very transformative process because it's, um, it's not something like, a, like any other certification because uh, this, this is a different one. Because some of the requirements of, uh, in order to become a B Corp is that you have to incorporate your social and environmental commitment in your bylaws. So it's a very strong one because you know that uh, even if you're not certified anymore in the future, you have that commitment in your bylaws. So it's something that uh, is, is going to last is going to is going to not only be a, a during that you are going to do not only be, uh, when you are certified, but it's also going to uh, last in the future for the whole organization and for the whole company. And um, for us, it was a process of two and a half years in which we were uh, learning and including that kind of vision, uh, the transformative and regenerative vision in, the, in our business. And also was very, uh, it was very good because all the different teams in the company was, were very involved during this process because it's, a, it's an evaluation that is very complete. There are five main areas in which the companies are um, evaluated. Okay, you have your customers, you have uh, the workers, environment, governance, and the social aspects. And when we talk about the social aspect, they include the different stakeholders and also the suppliers. So it's a very 360 because it's a, it's a very complete um, evaluation that you have to um, put yourself in and be very, you know, very open and, and, and be willing to realize that you are not a perfect company. Not any one of us is a perfect company, but the thing is that we want to be better. 
And that's, that was the main idea behind of getting this certification, to become better every day, to, to push ourselves to have better business, to have better relations with our customers, with our suppliers, and every one of the stakeholders that we have, um, that we have around us. So that, that was the idea. And I want to take the, some part of the question that Louise made on the chat. And she said uh, that finally it, this was helpful, helpful for us. And I would say that has been very, uh, or maybe in the, in the um, sustainable initiatives that we have around us, that we have during this last 10 or 12 years that we have been working with the strategic planning, I would say that this was the most important initiative that we have in place. It was very transformative and it's also very good for the engagement of the people. The people inside the company feel very proud to, to be able to, to say that we are a B Corp and that we are actually making a contribution to a better sort of society. It, is, it has been very good. It's very uh, recommendable for all the, all, all the company. And also, it's very important to say that this is, this is something that you can do uh, for uh, companies of any size. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you are a small company or a big company, because it, it, it is an evaluation that adapts the, um, the, you know, the questions and the, and the different steps to the size of the business. So it's, it's a very good process that is totally recommendable for every company. Thanks very much, Valentina. That's an excellent summary, I think. So it's partly the, the rigor of the process, the fact that it's so comprehensive, and partly the fact that there seems to be this, this notion of continuous improvement, that you've got to, you've got to carry on working on it. Um, and it, in fact, you've touched uh, tendentially on, on one of the other questions that's been raised about how we raise awareness of um, issues with regards to um, gender and racial e equity and uh, inclusiveness in the wine industry. And presumably that is part of the, the social and the people aspect of B Corp is inclusivity yes. as well. Yes, absolutely. Because you have to, this is a complete scan of your operations and also of the uh, philosophy of the company. How are you going to address this issue? Even if it's not an issue for you today, how are you thinking to address that? Mm. So it's, it's a very good scan. And you know, uh, Richard, when we, when we, um, when we were in the um, in year 2018, uh, we were actually looking for a global language for sustainability because what we saw is something that we are very happy to be here, to be gathered here in this, this sustainability wine round table today, because we were looking for a global language for sustainability, and we were not able to find anything linked to the wine industry. So we have to move forward and we have to look some other schemes, some global schemes, that were able to communicate the commitment that we had. And that's why we decided to go for B Corp because it was uh, something that we needed that during that time. 
we were looking for this global language where, you know, we are a global company. So we wanted this kind of message. We wanted to deliver this kind of message. And we were not able to find in the wine industry something for us. Yep. And that's why we decided to go for, for, uh, for B Corp. Thank you. Thank you, Valentina. And, and lastly, because the Sustainable Wine Roundtable is all about cooperation, I'm going to be a little bit cheeky here. Would you be happy, for instance, to share your experiences with, with B Corp to uh, other members and uh, people who um, get involved with the Roundtable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we totally think that uh, this is something that we must do together because it's it's not the effort of one company. And also we feel that this is something that we should uh, be able to share in a, in a collaborative way. So we will be ha very happy to do that. Thank you very much. Well, um, admirable though the work that Conchi Toro has already done in, in this sector, they're not the only large business in Chile who has also been involved in sustainability. Barbara, I am coming to you this time. And I'm just intrigued because I, I know Santa Rita relatively well as well. So you've got three very large businesses, arguably the three, three of the largest produced in Chile, all of whom have taken a really strong stance and a lead on sustainability. Is that because you work together particularly well? There's been a lot of collaboration or, or is it down to, to pressure from the markets? Between us, um, I'd say um, I'd say we started our journey uh, because of the second reason. We were more stressed somehow by the markets, um, which is a good thing that happened and enabled us to understand the importance of um, jumping in into this journey, you know, getting on board on sustainability in a very long-term commitment rather than just having individual initiatives and, 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 and something that is not aligned to our um, organizational strategy. So at the beginning, yes, uh, Richard, uh, it was more like, especially Scandinavia um, in the Nordic markets and maybe Canada and other European markets were more demanding um, on this issue. Plus, I'd say climate change and global warming became more popular and, 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 and we, were, we needed to be prepared to those questions like, how are you gonna be, uh, prepare yourself to, um, for this um, more um, uh, this uh, climate episodes that Europe is facing or the droughts that Chile is facing in the last five to 10 years. Uh, but today I would say that after 10 years, we are more prepared to collaborate. At the beginning, it was a single and, and, and solo uh, preparation within our organization. Of course, we got together once in, once in a while with Conchitora and Santa Rita and shared more or less our experiences. But uh, it wasn't that way at the beginning. Today, I'd say yes. And this is one of the beauties of this table of sustainable wine uh, is that we not only as producers are gathered here on this table, but also the entire chain. So we have a retailer uh, represented by Marcos. We have a dry goods supplier represented by Carlos. We have another producer sitting in front. And this didn't happen in the past. And this is one of the opportunities we have uh, and looking into the future, joining, 
getting together, having a common diagnosis about what needs to be done in order to tackle climate change, um, and reduce our negative impact and make our industry sustainable. Um, not only because the wine industry needs it, but also because humankind is, is really eager in, in order to get so. Thanks, thanks, Barbara. Look, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm biased, but I think that um, I th when the, the question is, how is the Sustainable Wine Roundtable going to catalyze change? And it is through collaboration through all, all, all parties in the value chain. No question. There is no way we're going to achieve this unless we gather ourselves. I mean, no one, even not us being a big wine producer, is going to capable, be capable to move the needle unless we join forces, you know, and this is regardless of the industry we represent. I hope there are other sustainable roundtables within other industries. CPG industries needs, needs to tackle this as well, you know, packaging, transport, all of these things need to be uh, today put on the table and regardless of the own company you represent. Yep, absolutely. Okay, many thanks. Um, Marcus, if I may, I'm going to come, come to you next, because I'm particularly intrigued about System Balaget's role. It seems to me that you've, you already, you lead the field in terms of retailing organic and sustainably produced wines uh, worldwide. I think you've taken the, a leadership role in that. What do you, what would, what would you like to see System Balaget get out of the, the roundtable membership? Um, and what changes do you think we can bring about collectively that maybe you can't individually? Okay, yeah, I, I really see the opportunities here uh, for that. Uh, but to give you some background, uh, I, I would say that maybe one of the most important issues for Sustainable Target is uh, the concept of sustainability certifications that you find out there for different origins that are designed for the wine business and uh, and as you know there is a high diversity even though they have much in common there is some diversity among them and there is no chance that we as a retailer could replace or or substitute this important work that is done by these programs and, and local engagement in, in terms of the certifications uh, because they they are uh because we think they are so important is due to uh, that we have the processes that I just described that we have in place in terms of risk mapping of all the assortment, like the tender process where the certifications are very crucial. And we have tenders that are unique for each and every origin because we have to adapt the requirements that we have to each and every origin, depending on the certifications. Uh, and we also have, as I mentioned, a new uh, concept for customer guidance where the certifications are very important as a base. Uh, and as you know, they are quite, uh, the, the, there is a diversity out there. So what we do today is that we're spending a lot of time and uh, efforts to benchmark these certification around 30 to 35 different certifications out there. Uh, in terms of just to map the coverage of each certification. And as you may know, some of them are addressing different issues. You can find like water issue is addressed in most of them, but some are lacking the issue of water. And it comes to pesticides, uh, soil management, labor conditions, etc. So 
And, and each and every of these issues are addressed in different ways. So, so the benchmark is also grading each and every issue. And that, that uh, benchmark is enabling us to use the certifications in a systematic way in our processes. So having said this, uh, uh, considering that, uh, I mean, each and every step that can be taken to harmonize and to reach more consensus in the wine world about these certifications will make life easier for Sustainable Logit, but not, not only for Sustainable Logit, but even more for the customers and for the suppliers out there. So I think that is, that is what we are, uh, or, I mean, really appreciating if we could uh, manage to do that in, in the concept of Sustainable Wine Roundtable. And if, if I was about to describe the situation today is that, and, and I think, and I hope that you all agree, is that there is a really high interest in the wine business of sustainability and it's increasing, but it's isolated to some extent. It's isolated geographically in different regions and it's also isolated in the, in the different levels of the supply chain. So you can see that you have some communication going on on the retailer level. You have some communication going on on the production level, but you don't have the interconnection fully established among all these different parts. So I think that's a huge potential that we see and hope for, for Sustainable Wine Roundtable to establish new bridges and new connections in the field. Because our experience, when we do this benchmark of different certifications and we present the results back to the program operators, is that surprisingly high interest from them to adapt and compensate different areas where we can see that there are some weak spots, not only related to the results itself, but also related to land risk data that is unique for each and every origin. So I think the willingness out there on the program operators, from the program operators and the certifications is very high to adapt and harmonize. And I think, again, Sustainable Wine Roundtable is maybe uh, today the most, uh, most uh, uh, potential uh, format and, and community to establish these bridges and, and really to make a change to... to to increase the communication, collaboration, exchange, and sharing of knowledge. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my <laughs> expectation and what I hope for. <laughs> Thank you. Marcus, thanks, thanks so much. And thanks, obviously, for the, for the endorsement of the roundtable. It, it means a lot. And you've touched on two things there, which I think are, are, are critical. One is the international aspect. Um, that it, this has to be, we really do what it's important, it's a global thing, and we're, all, we're very aware that we're, we're, we're weak in some parts of the world still at the moment, particularly Asia, and we've, we need to work on that. Now, the other aspect you mentioned, and I'm glad you did mention it, is the consumer, the public, because ultimately it's going to be so much more easier, or it's going to be so much more effective if the message being communicated to the public all around the world is a similar one. Mm. Um, it's going to make it the whole process much quicker. So thank you very much. Now, there has been a question about government's role in transforming the industry, and I might come back to you on that, Marcus, but I'd like Uber to have a chance to um, participate as well. Um, Uber, you, I'd be interested to know, Chatelier, as you've pointed out, you're, you're working on a different scale 
to the SPT and Conchitura, um, but you you have quite a lot of influence. You it seems to me that Leub um, punches way above its weight in terms of um, the, the the media attention you get and the the reach of your products. Um, maybe I'm lucky in the UK because I find them easy to buy over here, um, but I suspect you're doing quite well in other in other parts of the world as well. So I'd be interested to know what what you hope to get out of the, the round table and what you'd like to see us um, prioritizing, I guess. Yeah, so thanks for the compliment, first of all, because yeah, we are, we are trying to do our best. And I think what, what also makes us kind of uh, successful for now uh, is what differentiates ourselves from, our, uh, from most of our competitors, uh, at least the one we are competing with uh, in France, is our uh, sustainability uh, policy and and uh, what we do have what you can see behind me this is something quite unique uh, and and yeah that's that's something that uh, also um, helps us to 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 advertise and to get visibility on our uh, on our brand um, and so in terms to answer your, your question about um, about what we would like to uh, what we expect from uh, the sustainable one run table I think Marcus uh, just pointed it uh, out very clearly is um, to give clarity and to to have one voice uh, and to gather people from the production but also uh, distribution uh, and uh, and uh, uh, packaging transport dry goods supply it's having all of these people uh, working together and having one message uh, speaking one voice about sustainability so give clarity to buyers uh, everywhere around the world, uh, but also to customers, because even if the buyer understand, that does not mean that the customer also understand. And it's it's something, just to give you a, a very simple example, when you are organic certified in Europe, you cannot say it in, in the US. It's not the same rules and it's not uh, consistent. So how do you make a US consumer uh, understand that you are organic, but you cannot say it? And it cannot be written on the bottle unless you comply to another, uh, to another, to other rules that are not always completely consistent with the one you have to produce your product in France. So it's incredibly complicated, and this is why we need to go above these local rules and to have uh, to give clarity and visibility with one voice uh, uh, all around all around the world. So this is really what we what we what we expect, and this is really the role of the sustainable. Uh, Wine roundtable, and to be more, um, uh, to, to to even um, to to also step up a, a little bit, um, the sustainable wine roundtable is also a fantastic window to the world. I think we we all have goals, we all have uh, internal uh, policy, we all want to develop our brand, our company, etc. But um, so we are. I, I'm, I mean, I'm talking as a producer. We are often really focused on what we do here. Uh, how, what can we do best on on the field? What can we do best uh, uh, on the on the production? Uh, how can we improve uh, our impact, etc. But uh, we often forget to have a look at what's happening elsewhere. And uh, again, to, to give you an example from my uh, previous life, we were uh, I was working in Burgundy and we were working on, on vine disease and, and, and all of this, just to try to understand why we had this special disease uh, here on the vine. And 
we just forgot to to ask uh, other people from other uh, industries like fruit industries forest industries just forgot to ask them did you face the same problem as we do today and and, and in fact they did they did 15 years ago and they had the solution so just it, this is just to give you an example of um, when it comes to sustainability we should we should really um, share and not only it's already something to share within the wine industry because uh, it's it's not done very often and so this is why we are part of the sustainable wine roundtable but we should also have a look at what's going on elsewhere uh, uh, not only uh, on the wine industry and this is something that uh, that is really uh, really helpful that's that's really interesting and just briefly if 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 you if you can are there any su sustainability certifications that are much broader than just wine in France or in Europe that cover all agricultural goods that you think we should be paying more attention to and possibly learning from um there there, there are uh, but uh, um like it, they are often very focused on the production part, yeah. and, and we we have uh, several uh, uh, certifications as well, like Terravitis or or uh, HVE. Uh, but it's um, it's it's uh, they are they started from the agriculture part, from the production part, and they try to add some uh, some layers regarding uh, uh, water management regarding the social social aspects regarding the local uh, local um, uh, local business how to promote local uh, yeah, local communities regarding labors uh, etc but it's um, there definitely there, there is this um, corporate social responsibility rules and but it's um, I think the there is too much focus because that's where everything starts. There is too much focus on the production part, and we should also look at the other uh, at the other uh, aspects of the yep. social responsibility. I couldn't agree more. Thanks very much, um, Marcus. We have one. <laughs> you have about a minute to comment on government um, involvement in sustainability, and you're you're in a. I mean, Sweden is in a curious position, unlike most countries, because obviously the government has a, a major part to play in system Belaget. But are you getting any, is there any pressure, for instance, from your government, or do you expect greater regulation on the wine sector in, in the near future? I would say that, yes, we are a state-owned company, so we have some uh, expectations how we behave and how we, we drive our business and that we have integrated sustainability in, in our processes and our work. But I would say at the same time that, I mean, in detail, what we do is all up to us, to the, to the company itself, to design it. And we are taking really, really, really taking into account the expectations of the Swedish customers and the Swedish public, what they expect a responsible company to do. So yeah. that's very important for us. And that's what is kind of designing what we do. But at the same time, I would like to point out that it's very important for a company, no matter if it's state-owned or if it's private, to have to feel its own responsibility. No matter what the customers are expecting, we need to have a compass and a high uh, uh, 
I mean, uh, interest and and uh, to be really uh, take care of the important sustainability issues because it's important for the planet and for the people, not only because the customers are asking for it. So we have really need to have our a high degree of of uh, uh, of, uh, of uh, I mean the work and and. Uh, the, the, I don't find the word. I think respon- <laughs> responsibility. Yeah, responsibility and, and ambition. Role. Yep. Mm. It's very important, I think. Yeah. And yep. I think it's, it's even uh, if you, the, the more we will be able to show that we are working together and we propose things and we, we show the goodwill, uh, the less it will come from the government, from the states imposing rules. And, and this is something uh, that we really need to work on. And we, we, we really need to be conscious about that. I couldn't about agree. being proactive rather than reactive, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, and this is, this is what we need to show to the rest of the world and to the rest of the industry, collaboration and, and proactivity. Well, I think that is a very positive note to finish on and an extremely relevant one. And that's obviously very much what we're all trying to do is to collaborate and, and be proactive so that we preempt possible government regulation or regulations from other areas. Look, thanks so much to all of you. We could have carried on a long time. It's a, it's, it's a privilege to, to start this conference with such a high caliber panel. So many thanks for joining us. Hopefully you'll be able to join us for, for some of the rest of it as well. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all in person at, uh, at events before long. But uh, well done on the, the great work you're doing. You are trailblazers and it's really encouraging to hear your support for the round table as well. Thanks very much. Thank you.